Hello, everybody. It's Hello. Micah. And Jordan. And we're what together? Married. The macaws. Oh. Yes, and we were married. By the time this episode comes out, I think we're just about to our fifth year. Complete. We're that far ahead. We're that far ahead. Well, this is the Macaw Podcast Universe, and we exist to prove people wrong when they say sequels are never better than the originals. And today, we're covering Solo. And we are, yes, this is the ninth Star Wars proper movie. And we're, we've almost done it. We're pretty close. Or no, maybe it's the 10th. It's the 10th Star Wars proper movie. I forgot to count Rogue One. And uh, this one is a movie that most people agree is not very good and hmm. kind of sucks. Hmm. And is one of the one of the poorer Star Wars entries. And we watched it last night. And today we had to break it up into two just because of just because we had to. And I think this is not not I would put at least three movies below this movie. This movie is way better than I remembered and I was relieved. Yeah, it was. This is probably the most space Western movie out of all the Star Wars movies to me. Now that is it's interesting that you picked up on that because when they were talking about these spin-off movies, Kathleen Kennedy said, "Rogue One, we wanted to make a war movie." Yeah. We wanted to make that tone and then before Solo came out, they were like, "We want to make a western." Yeah. That's what they were well, trying they to make. Did. They did. Yeah. Upon rewatching, they succeeded. Yeah. This uh, yeah, so I think there are a lot of big problems with this movie. But I think I'm, I, I think it's kind of good. <laughs> it's good. I like it. It's it's not nearly as bad as everyone says it is. Now I think what hurts this movie is knowing the behind the scenes a little bit. Absolutely. Because there is a what if scenario that's probably potentially from the the track record of the two guys I'm about to say could have been the best of all the new Star Wars movies. Yep. Because the guys are geniuses. Do you think that, because we know that their idea, whatever they had was gold, because yeah. they are gold, that they didn't have enough explanations, because this is a prequel, for things that happen oh, later, and Jordan, they were uncompromising? It's as if you didn't think I did research. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You nailed it on the head. <laughs> when we watched it, we both were really into it. And we kind of started it late in the evening, so we watched most of it and then finished the rest the next day. It's because we still had to watch an hour and a half of Bahubali to the conclusion. And we're not going to put that on hold for Solo. No. Sorry. Um, but when we finished the movie today, yeah. it, it was we basically stopped the movie by the end of Act 2. So then we basically have Act 3, and it was pretty slow. Yeah, I think Act 3 is the worst part of the movie. And I, that's when they're trying to explain everything. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. Like, why this is a Star Wars story. It becomes a... Like, by Act 3, it becomes a Star Wars movie. In, like, the it, wrong way. In the wrong ways. And it yeah. gets really caught up in prequel stuff for me. Yeah, I had never thought about it like that, but I think that's why I get kind of bored at the end from, yeah. from what you just described. Obviously, we'll get more into that in a second. But originally... Uh, they hired a guy named Chris Miller and Phil Lord, two guys really, <laughs> to direct this movie. 
Now, if you are forgetting or just need a, a jog of memory, they're the guys who did Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. I haven't either, and it's got to be a masterpiece. Well, it's gold because they're gold. Yeah. Uh, they did the Lego movie, which, mm-hmm. you know, the thing, as people were hearing that this movie was getting made, everyone's gut reaction is like, you can't replace Han Solo. That's a dumb idea. Don't even make this movie. And then people would say, it's going to be directed by Chris Miller and Phil Lord. And then those same people are like, well, they're literally famous for taking bad ideas and turning them into gold. Yeah. Because they had the Lego movie, which you hear a Lego movie and it's like, that's a, wh- what? But then it's huge. And it's, it's a, a huge good movie. Success. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. That makes a little more sense. But then like 21 Jump Street. And it, they're, they're not like, oh, yeah, we're going to make a, 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 a sequel to this. I they did that. Yeah, they're not like, oh, we're going to make a sequel to the series and it's going to be just like the show. They're like, no, we're going to make a comedy out of a show that was not a comedy. That show wasn't a comedy? No, it's a drama. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And they're like spoofing the show and it doesn't really have... How come we aren't doing that more? I don't know. I don't know because That's I would... crazy. I would think that when these guys change the game, people would be like, let's do what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, so they did that, and and Jump Street one and two are, as far as comedy is concerned, like modern comedy They're masterpieces. So good. They're both so good. And yes, I'm saying the second one too. I know a lot of people don't like that one. It's funny though. But uh, we'll have to cover that on Patreon yeah. sometime. Yeah. Those movies. Um. So these guys are great at doing that, and so they come in to make this movie, and yeah. by all accounts, we, So here's what. I, I like Wait, the guys. Did they not do after party? They did do after party. Okay. I just was going up to solo. Yeah, I know. I'm just um, looking stuff up. But what I like about these guys is they they take the high road. Mm-hmm. Because in January of 2017, they sh- they start shooting the movie, and then in June, Lucasfilm announces that Chris and Phil are leaving over creative differences. So they they were shooting for a little under six months. Lot of film, yeah. Um, a lot of preamble, yeah. And production. The guys have basically never said what went down from their perspective. And Lucasfilm has a little bit. I think Lucasfilm is not being like shady or anything like that. But everyone's been pretty much like, no, we're not going to besmirch each other. And Ron Howard has stated how like it was not a uh, an angry thing and he was he even like showed them a cut before the movie came out and got notes from them and stuff like that maybe it was sorry i know you're about to get into it but maybe it was as simple as creative differences like you said and they're like okay then it's just not gonna work for us and then disney's like okay it's not okay okay (laughs) good try though uh you want it to be amicable yeah um so apparently this is this is all we know for sure is Jonathan Kasdan who is the son of Lawrence Kasdan uh him and his dad wrote this movie and they're working on the movie they're on set and stuff like that and Chris and Phil are much more adapting to actors so they are they're going into a huge tentpole movie and they're allowing for like improvisation oh and it's been reported, and you know these are all sources that like didn't say who they were and stuff like that, who worked on the set and stuff. That basically what's happening is, you know, someone's improvising or something. They're on this multi-million dollar set, and they're saying like, "Oh yeah, let's just change that plot. That's better." Oh. And Jonathan and Lawrence are sitting there, 
And by other reports, they're like, especially Lawrence is like, no, they should be saying this dialogue word for word. Hmm. And apparently, it allegedly got to a point where uh, the the two directors felt like Lawrence Kasdan was like shadow directing the movie. Yep. Like over their shoulders. Yep. And so they were trying to do that. And they were trying to like kind of let the movie do what it's going to do. So, so on the one hand, it feels like they just weren't actually given as much freedom as they had thought they would be given. Yeah. But there is this perspective that's interesting. I, I don't tend to think that Disney's usually in the right when they do something like this. So it's probably not the truth. But there is something to the fact that they are on a set to the level they've never been. And when they make a creative decision like that on set improvisation, it could cost millions of dollars. Yeah. Them being like, yeah, let's just change the scene or something. Yeah. But I also that's think that's... a hard that's, one, though, because they're from their past success leading up to this movie, they've proven to be... Like, the, whatever their method is, has proven to be m- money-making. Yeah. But it is there is much more pressure than Lego movie. This is Star right. Wars. Right. That is interesting. Yeah, and, and it, it seemed like to me... When it happened and the firing happened, well, the creative differences leaving happened, it felt like everyone, everything I was reading and stuff was just like, whoa, this is crazy and probably not good. Hmm. And then as it got closer to the movie, it felt like the actors were like, yeah, there was not a movie and now we have a movie because of Ron Howard was how it felt like it was being presented. But what I'd love to know is an interview with any of those actors now because, you know, they're doing press junkets and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They're only going to say how great the movie is. And they got to, as much as you and I are not huge Ron Howard fans, he is a very famous and se- successful director. He is the most mediocre, <laughs> subpar, makes good movies director to me. Yeah. Um, it'll always be good if Ron Howard's Or a little it. bad. Or a little, but it'll, it, for me, it's like, from just right now off the top of the dome, nothing's been great. Yeah. Or a masterpiece. I mean, I a beautiful mind a, is good. I've not seen Apollo 13. He Apollo 13 is really good. Is really good. Um, a beautiful mind is, that is a really good one too. Yeah. But I think it's, it. he kind of goes under a category for preference though for me too. Yeah. Although I, I do think, yeah, I, I just think his movies do lack a little pizzazz. They're you just, know. they seem varied by the numbers. Yeah. But I was surprised that I liked this more than I thought I would. Yeah. On a well, rewatch. It, it is telling that this is uh, like probably his top three best movies. Yeah. When, when this is, this is a good movie. It's yeah. good. It's not a great movie though. Yeah. Um, having said that, you know, I haven't directed 20 movies or whatever. Yeah. Seems like a hard job. Yeah. And Ron, you're definitely welcome on the pod. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made he helped make Arrested Development, so any wrongdoing you did goes out the window. Um, but yeah, so it just seems like there was all of that stuff going on, and I would love to, what I dream about, but it's Disney, so I know it's not going to happen because they pretend like they're a big happy family no matter what. I just want someone to come out with the book that's like, here's what happened on the set of Solo. Yeah. Like day by day or the documentary because, of course, they're filming all this stuff and then they just, like, hit all of it. Yeah. You know, and it's it's something that bums me out about 
you know, like they'll never be a tell all about like a Marvel movie. They'll mm-hmm. never even even the ones that have had issues and stuff. There's never going to be the Heart of Darkness documentary about how like this is what happened on set. I mean, maybe in 50 years, though, maybe open up that Disney vault is yeah. what I say. Yeah. Um. So that happens and they have Ron Howard come on. And at the time, I just remember reading that there were reports of like they were basically filming the entire movie yes. again. Yes. Isn't um, it like eighty percent of the movie was redone? Well, something like that. Um, but again, I don't know what the truth is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like there are directors' guild uh, rules, and Phil and Chris did not—they did not like attempt to uh, what is that called? Like test the billing, um, not test, but like like they didn't—they did not go. They did not say, oh, no, he shouldn't get a solo credit because we actually, they're still like, you know, 50% of the movie we made or something. Yeah. They did, they they just took executive producer credits. So I think by all accounts, it is Ron Howard's movie. Yeah. Um, Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Very weird. Um, and- it also was definitely just getting, like, still kind of the beginnings-ish of getting into that realm of like Disney changing something at the drop of a hat because a, yes. a movie didn't make a billion dollars when yes. it actually did make all their money back and they profited from it. Uh, I have been under that false notion. Yeah. This movie did not make money. Yeah. So uh, I have led you astray because I know we've had conversations off mic where I've like, actually the movie financially did okay. But uh, it's more that, so so basically the budget breakdown is this. The movie costs somewhere between 275 to 300 million dollars. Yeah. That's and that's a lot. because they made two movies basically. Yeah. So if this movie had a normal budget like 150 like what they probably were trying to do, it'd be a different story. So then the movie makes 213 domestic and 393 worldwide. How does it not make money overseas? I mean, on a lot of these the domestics are a lot bigger. Well, I know it's like the not bigger than world, here, but, but like that's pretty weird to me. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think weirdly enough, I think it's a very American hmm. uh, uh, story. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in a patriotic way or anything. I no, think, uh, yeah, I know you mean. I think it just has like a DNA of like Americans watch Star Wars and we like get those characters. Uh-huh. Um, but. T- I'm not the domestics are never as big as the worldwide, but that's counting like every country. Yeah. So having a two nine two thirteen domestic out of three ninety three is like yeah, mostly America saw that movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but what's weird is like at the end of two thousand eighteen, this was in the top ten movies of the year, and so it's just crazy to live in a time where budgets have become so bloated. Now, again, this is a special case, but where, like, it's considered a flop when a movie's in the top ten of the year. Mm-hmm. You know? That's crazy. But a lot of a lot is changing. Um, so Ron Howard directed it. I already said that uh, it's written by Jonathan and Lawrence Kasdan. And Jonathan uh, did some writing on Freaks and Geeks and Dawson's Creek. Mm. Interesting. Uh, the cinematography is by Bradford Young, who shot Selma, A Most Violent Year, and Pawn Sacrifice. The movie looks great. Looks really good. And uh, he commented on how they did a lot of like lighting on set, and he was oh, he, nice. he was very much like I wanted it to be the kind of thing where you know an actor if they walk out of the frame, 
and they're they're walk out of the light like they're not in the light they're not lit anymore i don't yeah. want it to just be like this overblown like yeah. sound stage where everyone's lit perfectly well it looks really good paid off well, well actually it didn't, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um and then john williams wrote the han theme for this movie uh-huh um which i think is that okay which i think is a good theme and then john powell uh did the score and he oh, also nice. scored face off ants Shrek, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and the upcoming Don't Worry Darling. Mm. Uh, comes out May 25th, 2018. Here's another thing I think that hurt this movie. is This is in a point where Lucasfilm is, is basically saying, whether in tone or not, they're like, we want to do what Marvel's doing, where they make three movies a year, and they... they they make like two to three or four billion dollars a year just on movies alone. How can we do that? They're like competing with themselves. Oh, well, you said Lucasfilm, but I mean, Disney owns it. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's almost like let's do a Marvel movie. Then you come back to the theater two months, you see a Star Wars movie. Then, you- yeah. And so the, the first, so, so Rogue One, uh, episode seven and eight came out in December. Yep. In December months. And then, this movie comes out five months after The Last Jedi. So I really think there is this, there's, there's more than just the troubled production. I think on top of that, you have people who, I remember talking to people who were like, there's another Star Wars movie coming out next month? And I'm like, yeah, it's about Han Solo and stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? Didn't even know it was out. Um, so there's that. And I think one of the things that, that I'm pretty sure Lucasfilm has learned since and kathleen kennedy being the head of it like star wars can't be marvel in that way the movies do need to be like events like year-long events it can't not big episodes of tv yeah so i just think the five-month window and then last jedi was so divisive that i think a lot of people were just like i'm not going again oh yeah i felt exhausted by then yeah so i i mean i think that's that's a hundred million dollars right there, at least. Yeah. Um, of people just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, so there's that. But the then let's go back. There's a little bit of a history with Han Solo pre this movie, even. Oh. So if you remember, I think I said this in our episode three episode. Uh, George Lucas had a scene where young Han Solo was on Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet, in episode three. Oh, weird. Thank goodness that got cut. Yeah. Very silly. Classic George. Um, And then in 2005, George Lucas starts developing a show called Star Wars Underworld. And it was, uh, they had like four to 50 hours totally scripted at one point of this live action show they were going to come out with. So they're ready to go. And then there's this quote from the producer. We could, uh, our biggest problem is that these stories are adult. I mean, these are like Deadwood in space. It's so unlike anything you've associated with George before in relation to Star Wars. These aren't for kids. I mean, we hope they'll watch, but it's not targeted at eight to nine year old boys. The situation we have is that each episode, or if you put two hour-long episodes together, is bigger than any film we've ever done. It's on the Avatar level, and we'll we'll only have about five to six million dollars we can spend on each episode. 
Okay. So basically, they tried to, they were trying to develop the show, and it was so ambitious by their own words that it would, it would, there was no way they could sustain the cost of it. Because hmm. they were like, we want it to be a prestigious show, you know, like something that premiere on HBO, but those only have like one to two million viewers. And we need like millions of people oh. to watch this and the funding that is on cable. Oh. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, and then in 2012, George Lucas and Lawrence Kasdan begin working on a solo movie. I did not know about this until today. Um, and then it just never comes to fruition because that's the same year they sell. Yeah. And all that stuff. So, But it was brewing in Kasdan's mind since 2012. So, there's that. Yep. Uh, next up, Michael K. Williams, who is uh, I, I Omar on uh, The Wire, who we just Omar met in that on episode. The Wire. Omar, who is Omar on The Wire. He's the guy we just met. Wait, um, can you say the sentence you said again? Michael K. Williams. I'm just trying to tell you, show, tell you who he is. He died last year. Who's Omar on the wire? He, he was the guy who came into like the drug deal and the person said his name and he was like, yeah. don't say my name. Oh, the guy with the scar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 So Michael K. Williams was cast in the movie and they were, they shot and everything. Um, but this then, movie. Yeah. But, oh. but then when they got a new director, he wasn't going to be able to shoot until November because he was doing Dang, another project. That sucks. So then Paul Bettany came into the movie. Oh. So by for sure we know that any scene with Paul Bettany is 100% is Ron, Ron Howard. Howard. So they couldn't get that guy back. So Ron Howard's like, try to think of an actor who kind of looks like me to be a villain. <laughs> Just a tall redhead. <laughs> <laughs> well, and something else that I had never thought of that's also kind of this is kind of cute about the movie is Ron Howard is the star of American graffiti. And so he's going oh, yeah, back cute. to like George Lucas in a way. Yeah. Um, Full circle. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, then we have a couple of notes about uh, what the future was supposed to be. Cause obviously this movie ends. I wouldn't go so far as to say a cliffhanger, but it is definitely like, oh, we're doing more stuff. Very confused. Before you get into it, though, let's get into some actors. Okay, okay. I'm getting bored with the production. Oh, but it's such an interesting <laughs> production. Uh, so Alden Aaron Reich plays Han Solo. Uh, you might have seen him in Hail Caesar prior to this or Beautiful Creatures, Blue Jasmine, which I don't remember him in that movie. Um, he was in the a, a show brave new world that came out in 2020 okay it looked just abysmal um the yellow birds which is a war movie that he starred with ty sheridan is, it, is it, so where is this in relation to solo um everything i believe is before besides brave new world Okay. Blue Jasmine came out before Solo. Okay. I don't, I don't, I haven't I seen don't that movie. I don't quite remember. Uh, but he is in a Francis Ford Coppola movie. I would say that that's probably what oh, got him what like movie? a big breakout. Tetro, which I have never even heard of. It could be because he's done a bunch of short films and stuff. 2009. I think that's a short film. I'll look it up short. while you check it out. No, um, I'm looking it up. No, I'm looking it up. It's Here a we movie. Go. It's two hours and seven minutes. Really? Okay, I stand corrected. 
And apparently, who knows if this is real, but okay. apparently Alden Ehrenreich was discovered by Steven Spielberg at a bar mitzvah. Apparently. Okay. Um, that That's one of those ones that's a little sensational to me. <laughs> uh, like, I, I need Alden to, like, come out with his biography someday. Yeah. And really talk about it. Well, I um, you might not know this about Steven Spielberg, but anytime someone has their bar mitzvah he attends it well apparently it was a, a bar mitzvah of one of his daughter's friends oh which is why he well he there. extends to any any jewish person <laughs> he loves it but yeah he he started in around 2005 okay so like he was in like supernatural the show an episode of csi and then tetro he's in a short and then he's in tetro okay so that is his breakout well, I th- I wonder what his role in that because I remember even in the lead up to Solo, all the headlines and stuff were like act ca- like actor from Hail Caesar. Yeah. So yeah. I f- I feel like the Hail Caesar because in a, a movie that I didn't love, but I don't think I think it's a just a preferential thing. I just don't think I clicked with that movie because I love the Coen Brothers. Um, it was it was de- it's definitely out low on my list of theirs. Yeah. Um. I it just didn't work for me. But yeah. I, but. I'm like happy they made it. He was like by far he outshined every other actor in that movie. Yeah, he, I remember him being really good. It's interesting. I did see he's worked with, he's had a crazy career. Yeah. So he's worked with Coppola. He's worked with the Coen Brothers, Woody Allen, and I even saw. Oh wait, wait. So Blue, you said Blue Jasmine. Yes. Because for some reason in my head I was switching you saying Blue Jasmine and thinking of. Blue Like Jazz, which was a book that Mrs. Ray read to us at school, and we asked her to stop reading it to us, and then she switched books. Well, I don't remember that. Well, It was we, in our homeroom. She would read it every morning, and we just said, can you stop reading this? We don't like this book. But it's a Christian classic. Most most uh, Christians love that book. I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Yeah, but maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it was more the reader than anything. Well, I believe that. But he's also worked with Ron Howard and Warren Beatty. He has been around the block. Wow. Before he gets to this movie. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Well, uh, before you move on from him, I so the only thing after this is Brave New World, a show you're saying looks abysmal. I, I just looked it up. You don't have to look it up. Um, and I'm thinking, is he kind of cursed now? Has this movie marred him? Is this I, it? I don't think so. But then I looked at com- what's coming next, and it's a movie called Oppenheimer, and oh, he's in okay. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah, which is another crazy director he gets to work with. Yeah, that I, I think his he's like already ha- is like a legacy actor. Yeah, curse is broken. Yeah, maybe not even cursed. Yeah, even though he was in a really bad, bad looking show. I mean, no one talks about it, so it has. Yeah, and it looks bad. Anyway, Donald Glover. Plays Lando Calrissian. He is in a community. He is the creator. He writes. He produces. He acts in Atlanta. One of the best shows currently on TV. Uh, you told me this, that there's even a, a tweet that he made where he said, this season of Atlanta, like 2022 yeah, yeah. season of Atlanta, is as good as Sopranos. Like, he said that about his own show. He said there's... Which is, like, brag yeah. much, but also it's not true. wrong. It's true. Oh, that show's so good. And then uh, he's also in The Lion King. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was so bummed when he did that. Yeah. But he also makes great music, too. Yeah, he's Childish Gambino. He's kind of a Renaissance man. 
Um, I did not look up how to pronounce this name, so I am sorry I forgot to. Thandui Newton, the Woody Harrelson's love interest. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. She is in Crash, Westworld, Mission Impossible 2, Pursuit of Happiness, and a million other things. Okay. Don't remember her in Mission Impossible 2, but also hate that movie. So Didn't remember her in any of those things. Yeah. And hate's a strong word to use on a Tom Cruise movie. I'm sorry, but you know that movie sucks ass. Yeah. And it's so long. It's the movie where they figure out what doesn't work so that they can then yes. make 10 out and of 10s after that. they figured it out that. early. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll get to it someday. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge plays L3, the robot. So she is like a very, I would consider a very prolific just person artist. Okay. Because she, well, she's in Fleabag, which is a popular show on Amazon, I think. Yes, it is. Um, She's also was in Run recently, that show on Apple, I think. I don't know. Domhnall Gleeson's in it. But um, also in his Dark Materials. Then she is a writer on no time to die. That's right. And she created killing even Fleabag. So she, Oh like, wow. If you okay. look at her IMDb, like she's mostly like her acting credits are longer than anything else, but it is like, she's created and bit starred in shows. So like, she's crazy. She's huge. Like she's a, I often, I don't, I've never seen in her in anything when I look at this, but I have consumed things that she's put out in the world, like no time to die. Yeah. But um, she is someone that I like will see random inspirational quotes from her about writing. Really? Yeah. She's interesting. My my relationship with her, and you just filled it in, so thank you, uh, is like I would see her name all the time about Star Wars, and then like, oh, they got her to do a... a, a It's like a big deal if you get her to do something. Draft on No Time to Die, and I'm like, who is this person? And then all the things you listed, except for No Time to Die and Star Wars, I've not seen. Yeah. So I'm like, no wonder I've been like, who is this person? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> but always in something critic, always attached to something critically acclaimed. And she's great in she's this movie. She's so good. That yeah, that robot's crazy. I and I I did find out how they did those special effects. Oh, cool. Um, so she wore like the main pieces, like the head and Got the it. body and stuff, and then the CGI is the wires in between. That's it, though. Yeah, I'm sure there's like well, touch yeah. up because they impressive. always do that. It looks so good. Yeah, but they, you know they showed you know how sometimes they'll show us effects when they'll like swipe away like the uh-huh. different layers basically, and yeah, it's like oh, it looks like they kept the practical part as best as they could. Why it looks so good? Yeah, we, we, for you listeners, when she was running around and like freeing the robots, we were like, how did they make this? I, I we could not wrap our head around it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then lastly, Aaron Kellyman who plays the, like, liberator or, like, the rebellion person. She's, like, leading the crew. Oh, yeah. Um, She is also in Green Knight, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, most recently. Yeah. She's younger than us, which sucked to find that out. Oof. Um, God, she was in Green Knight, yeah. 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 Okay. So back to more boring notes. Um, I hope they're not boring. But... So, Alden Ehrenreich was signed on to do two more movies, which we found out year like I think like a year after this. Yeah. Uh, obviously that's not happening. Um, and after Rise of Skywalker, they're like, "Hey, we're gonna like put a hold on just like jumping into Star Wars movies," because th- there was this period where they were saying like, "Uh, we're." 
Josh Trank is coming out with a Boba Fett movie. They say that. And then uh, Fantastic Four, the new one. Oh, yeah, okay. And then that movie comes out. And then he... uh, It might have been after, though. But basically, Creative Differences leaves Project. Yeah. Then they're like, okay, James Mangold is going to make Boba Fett. And that's going to be like the... That would have been nuts. Yeah, probably would have been actually really good. Really? I mean, do you think he would make it like gritty? Well, I... I think he would uh, match the tone of 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 it. I mean, yeah, you made it sound like that show was fun, though. I I did like Boba Fett, even though you're contractually obligated to hate it. It's pretty fun. Uh, Just so you guys know, because because Last Jedi has come out, and Mike had yes. said something about that about the Obi Wan show. No, you said something about the Obi Wan show, and whatever you had said, I I said, oh, we're never gonna finish it. Still haven't watched it. It's true. And each day that passes, I want to watch it less. Yeah, we're going to watch it. Um, but uh, uh, uh. you don't have to finish it also. Uh, so, yeah, but then that one gets thrown out. Then there was going to be an Obi-Wan slash maybe Yoda slash like Moss Eisley movie thing. And then that gets kind of turned into these shows and stuff. Um, so, you know, th- they were just kind of saying all they even said like ryan johnson is doing a trilogy by this point so there's like all these movies and it's just never gonna stop is how it feels and and this movie felt like the nail in the coffin where they were like we can't do that it's interesting because marvel had just you know they make all these movies and they get to end game and it all works and they tie it all together and they've been planning it the whole time and it's beautiful and perfect and ever since then it's been hit after hit after hit yeah and it is like they had they just planned it all of course there was room to make changes if necessary but they planned it all this is like yeah they planned a trilogy but it's like they keep taking things back because they don't want to become dc yeah like they're too afraid to become yeah yeah. which is like i'm thankful for that but at the same time it's like just stop announcing things (laughs) Right, right 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 just like take a year like just really everyone who's in charge sit down and really plan it don't just plan it believe in yourselves and and that's what they did after rise yeah they were like let's take a break here yeah um yeah and and i i think part of that too is like you know the superhero movies they are based on comic books Uh uh-huh so you know you take batman who was made in the 30s i think you have almost a hundred years of material, and he's gone through a lot of changes. So if you miss or something, you just make another one. But Star Wars is supposed to be a like unified, cohesive universe that yeah. started in movies. Yeah. So to make it like that can potentially wear some people out. Yeah. Uh, but it's interesting because this year, in the promotion getting ready for Obi-Wan, Kathleen Kennedy started talking about some stuff and had an had an interview and it's not that she's saying anything bad but it seems like she did learn the wrong lessons from solo unfortunately because um she was basically the film has its admirers this is a vanity fair article but it made less at the box office than any other star wars movie and solo swagger may be too singular for any act actor to replicate and she said this quote there should be moments along the way when you learn things. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that. Meaning replacing an iconic character sure. like Han Solo. Sure. 
the funny thing about that is you're literally promoting a show with a character that was recast oh. by a person who won an Oscar for performing that character. Yeah. So I don't think that that's the problem. I-, I really don't think the problem with Solo is Alden Ehrenreich. No, and upon rewatch, this is like maybe the third or fourth time I've seen this movie. Uh-huh. He nails it. He's he really so does. He's so good. He's so good. And I, I, I think it is just an automatic fail because Han Solo is so iconic. But with Obi-Wan, yeah, that guy won an Oscar, but I'm, I'm only speaking to our generation. Yeah. Like, we were all kids, and to basically tell all the kids in the, the originals, the first three, like, it's just an old guy that disappears. I'm just, that's my perspective on Obi-Wan. I'm not saying he's not cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, but then when you make the prequels and you put a fresh face on it, I I think that that is a, that like worked better. I mean, the movie sucked, but like, yeah, it's like more forgivable than the solo thing. Yeah, well, and and I you know I've I think I've even said like you know you cannot replace Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones or Han Solo, and I still don't think you can. But I don't think I think Alden did a great job, and and. No one could have done better. Yeah, I feel that way too. And I just feel like since it's been, you know, four years since this movie came out, I- I'm a little less precious with it. I don't think it, it, the word, I don't think it's the word can, it's the word should. It's the Jurassic Park thing. Even though they can get an actor who nails it. Yeah. And is pretty dang good. Should they do it? Yeah. The answer is probably no in this case. Yeah. Well, and, and now it seems in that Vanity Fair article, and I think this is smart, it seems like. Star Wars and Kathleen Kennedy are like, what we need to do to keep cultivating this franchise is make this live action series. We now have a platform, Disney Plus, where we can put all this stuff. Keep making stuff like that, and then there will be the episode movies that come out. So, like, if... if in oh, I get that, yeah. Alternate future, Solo is actually like a six-episode series that comes out. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that that's smart. Because I, I, I think as a fan, it's it's a little, even though, you know, there's this argument about how, like, TV is as good as movies, I personally believe that there are very few exceptions where a TV show is as good as a great movie. Yeah. And I like TV a lot. But it's like, oh, yeah, The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Atlanta, those are as good as a great movie. But then even shows that I watch are not as good as, like, the Godfather or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're just not mm-hmm. in in my opinion. So so to me like if a show stumbles, it's not as big of a deal cuz I hold movies as like the gold standard. Right. That's in a complete opinion. But the interesting thing about it is I think it is becoming more TV focused because yeah, of content. More people <laughs> would rather stay home. Yeah. And watch something even if it is a movie, they would rather stay at home than put pants on and go to a theater. Yeah. And we have to feed the content machine. Yeah. Why have two hours when you can have drawn out 10? Yeah. Um, And then finally, this is my last note here. This is a quote from Lord about the movie. And I think he, he absolutely nails everything about it. He says, if you're going to give, if, if you're giving the audience exactly what they expect and a bunch of fan service, they're going to end up disappointed. They're going to be like, yeah, this is stuff I already knew. The trick is to figure out what it is they don't quite yet realize that they want, and every idea that you add into the stew is something that you're like, 
oh, that would be a cool thing to see that I haven't seen before and isn't the thing that's expected because I think people are really savvy now. And so you have to stay two steps ahead of them. And I feel like that's our job. Why are we taking things away from these guys? I Give don't know. it all to them. They get it. But, but if they made this movie, maybe they wouldn't have made After Party. Right. And that movie or that show rocked. That show rocked. But what's crazy is this is the same year that uh, Phil, I, I can't remember which one has a writing credit. One of them has a writing credit. One of them has a produce. They both have producing credits. They come home with an Oscar for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. So I would think that they look back on this and they're they like. They did direct that movie? They did not direct oh, it. Okay, no. I just forgot. But but one of them has writing yeah. and they're both producers. And yeah. obviously, like without them, that movie is not what it is. Yeah. But uh, I think the I think the directors the, it's like three directors. Yeah, that's it's animated. right. That's right. Um, yeah. Ooh, and that's what I would put that in. Maybe my favorite movie of that decade. I would rather have that movie than have whatever their solo movie was, which I know would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's solo. Thanks for listening, everybody. Right? Cool. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, I think it is a perfect time to plug our Patreon. Okay. Right. It don't, is? don't you? patreon.com slash mike and macaw you get extra podcast stuff Uh, you get extra episodes where we do mpu the sequel where we cover series that only have two entries and i believe this month we're covering either the protector one or the protector two tony ja movies either way you'll be protected if you sign up this month (laughs) yep (laughs) yep and i might have inserted an ad about an upcoming album and ways that you might be able to get it early Maybe, but I'm not sure because I don't remember when this is coming out or how the promotion for the album. Well, apparently working. we've been married by five, almost five years when this comes out. Yeah, so I'm getting close to putting that album out on Patreon before I put it out anywhere else, probably. Mm-hmm. So sign up, get us to 50 patrons this year. We gotta get there this year. Yes, please. All right. So, um, oh, this is something I thought about on the movie. I do think, as much as I do like this movie, it is a checkmark movie. In what way? And what and what I mean by that is, it is as if someone watched uh, the the original trilogy and they were like, "Oh, he's got a Millennium Falcon." Okay. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And then they're like, "He has dice." Okay. He has. He meets Chewie. Okay, because it's it's kind of unbelievable to think that everything that defines Han Solo happens in one adventure. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Know? I know. I know. And oh, he mentions well, the Kessel too, that, Run. Okay, that there was a a world where there could be two more of these, and it's like mm-hmm. you used up all your ideas in one. <laughs> what more could you do? <laughs> it's still not egregious as like anything in Jurassic World, though, as no. far as fan service. No, and it's got some pretty lame stuff. Oh, it it has. I mean, one of the worst. A pro- I would cite it as like the worst fan service I've seen in a movie. Yeah. Even though I just said Jurassic World Dominion is. Worse. Anyway, the movie starts. I really like how the movie starts. He is yeah. jump starting a vehicle, and it's it's just shot. It's just great action sh- shooting. Yeah, I guess is the what I'm trying to say. I um, mean, he's out running some dudes. He stole some energy thing or something. And oh, before that though, there's a like a lot of title cards. Yeah, that aren't the scrolling stuff. Yeah, um, I like he. So basically, the setup is. This is the planet of Corellia. Oh, yeah. Where this lady Proxima takes care of all of these runaway children, but they have to, like, be thieves for her. Yeah. And it's, like, some terrible planet. 
where yeah. it's like lawless. It sounds like Starring you Shia might LaBeouf like this movie the most. And Tom Hardy. <laughs> and um, anyway, kidding. Did you hear what I said? I did hear what you okay. said. I was laughing at what you said. Um, because it was funny. So yeah, he is one of those kids. So okay, let's just get to Kira, played by Elizabeth. Elizabeth? No. Um, Amelia Clark. Yes. Um, who we have covered in Terminator. We have. But what? It, so when you first saw this movie, okay, I'll, no, I'll, I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to speak from my experience. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we were introduced to her character, and it's an immediate like kiss. Uh-huh. They are an item thing. I, my first thought was like, that's that's cheap, dude. What about Leia? And it's like, uh-huh. wait, no, this is exactly what Han would be like. Like, yeah, yeah. They never were like. Obviously, he was never a, a pure person. They never pretended that he was yeah like like he has a at the end of the day he has a pure heart because he always does the right thing even though he complains about it you know that yeah. kind of thing but it, so it's that i immediately got over it yeah but what did you think uh i i well i think with any of these star wars movies i was just on pins and needles the whole time and yeah. what was funny is before we walked into this movie i was thinking like what i do not want to see is the kessel run Oh. I was just like, I don't want them to do that thing where they checkmark yeah. everything. And then that is the most exciting sequence of the movie, and it's done really well. <laughs> it is done and well. when I walked out, I was like, okay, okay. I mean, you that was great. I, yeah. I did really like that. Um, but I I I uh I just wish that movies that are prequels would allow for lines to be throwaway lines. Yes. Um yes. but Amelia Clark, her character I I, pr- I probably I don't remember, but I probably did have that pang as well. It's almost feeling like when you you know that your parents have dated other people, but you don't <laughs> yeah, want to yeah. know about it. That's how it felt. Yeah, but, but I I think like, I got over okay. it real quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think she's the most interesting character. Yeah, she's she's. I mean, she's great. She's never been bad for me. So yeah, I really like her. I and I actually my well terminator she probably was good in terminator though yeah i mean but who can replace um oh my gosh my brain Sarah is ter- hamilton linda linda hamilton, hamilton. Yes. uh sarah connor yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i i just really wish that uh, like not wish i i do kind of want a sequel because i'm interested in what happens to her i'm very interested in what happens to her but i'm not interested in what happens to han solo funny enough I get that. Um, I think that they really dropped the ball on her her outfits. Yeah, they could be way weirder. Like, big time, man. She's just wearing anything you can get, like, at Old Navy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So that, that was a big bummer. I'm not saying make her look weird or anything, but I don't know. Make it look different. Make it look like yeah. something that I know that I can't buy. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> you're right. Um, but then they... Basically, he stole something, and then he has to go to Lady Proxima. But he's trying; they're trying to keep the thing because it's very valuable, and it can be their ticket out of this crazy town. Yeah, and Lady they're just Proxima—they're just two kids looking for a way out. They are, and they got their ticket. They Who's do. Who's gonna punch it? They. <laughs> <laughs> but they meet Lady Proxima. Yeah, who is a puppeted water worm. Awesome. I love. Yeah, me too. I love it. And that, to me, is enough for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the voice act, I love the voice acting in this movie because people go a little less on the realistic side and go a little more hammy. 
the the lady who voice acts her does a lot of stuff. Great. Yeah. Great. Because it's this like, what are you doing with my coaxium? And I'm yeah. like, I remember being in theaters and going like, oh, is this going to like rock? Yeah. Because that's cool. Yeah. Um, and then he does the whole thing where he like pretends he has a thermal detonator. Funny. And that that is like, I mean, we don't know, but it's like, is that a Chris and Phil thing? Yeah. Like, is that what the movie would have been? Yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting to try and figure it out. Uh, then Funny they, though. but they escape. Well, they're on the they run. Escape, yeah, they're being chased by her minions. Um, fun action sequence, and they're they go to like the border where they're gonna get out out of this planet. Yeah, and they're bribing the person at the gate with the coaxium. Yeah. Uh, but only Han gets to go through. She gets snatched back at the last second, and they're separated. Yeah. Um. I, I am kind of skipping a lot, but but it is like that is like the ne- my next note. It, it, well, this movie just, moves at the beginning. Yeah, they're very it, they're, they're the characters are established very well too. They're very they're both very like idealistic kids. Yeah. Um, because he hasn't really like like he like he is his like I don't know what the right word is. What? <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Jordan just stared off I'm when she said that. The, the word to describe Han. Oh my gosh, she's doing the minority report thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess he's not like super quippy yet. Well, you know, he is quippy and yeah. stuff, but I think he still just is like he he has a heart still, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He's still he still has hope. That's the word. Um, so he makes <laughs> it out and he's like, I will come back for you. Yeah. Which is just an interesting thing that I've never seen before with Han, where it's like he truly means like I will come back for you, like you were the love of my life. It's just because when we were introduced to him in the the originals, it's very much like nothing matters. Yeah. How am I gonna get paid? Well, so what? Here's here's something I've been thinking about a lot is the character arc of this yeah. movie. Um, and and what's interesting is we obviously know where Han Solo starts in episode four. Yeah. He's a scoundrel. He doesn't care about anybody. Scoundrel, but that's a good self. word. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, hanging out at the CD bars and stuff. He's not a great guy, but he's got a heart of gold. Eventually, he chooses kind of to have that. But I actually don't think he has to learn it. Okay. But I'm going to wait. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I want to hear what you think. I think he's always had one and he's, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but, but what I find interesting and I'm not necessarily condemning it is this whole movie. It's like the, it's the weird thing sometimes when you have a character that finds redemption or whatever, but you have to make him likable before he found redemption. So it's like, Hey, it's me. I'm Han Solo. Like I want to be a bad guy but I'm pretty much a good guy. We all know that kind of wink at the camera. Yeah. And it's, it does. There's part of me that sees a different movie where he is just kind of a bad guy and he doesn't have a heart. Like he doesn't give coaxium to create the rebellion at the end. He takes that and goes away. Yeah. He does like leave people deserted because that is how I think Han would be. But I do think their hands are tied because apparently Alden was signed on for three more movies so maybe at some point they were gonna make it you know better call Saul where like he does have his fall and I think what this movie does a good job at for me and filling in some character stuff yeah is I don't think he ever would have been a person to desert someone I think he would always leave a way out for someone 
Okay. Like he would desert them, dot, dot, dot. Uh-huh. So he joins the army. The Imperial Army, yeah. The Imperial Army. He gets his name Han Solo, which Micah loves. This is his favorite part of well, the movie. Well, we cannot gloss over this. Um, the There is a propaganda film playing in the background that's like, join the Imperial Army, and the Imperial March is playing, which I have mixed feelings about, because that means that music exists in their universe, but don't think about oh, that too much, Micah. That. Um, but... Uh, then he goes up to this thing, and this is just the worst like fan service thing ever, I think, that I've seen in a movie. Um, because it doesn't make sense, there's no need to do it in there, and no one has ever wondered this. Yeah. We haven't wondered, like, how come his last name is Solo? Yeah. So he comes up, and he's like, oh, my name's Han, and he's like, what people are you from? And he goes, I don't have people. And then he goes, hmm, Solo. And it is, it's, it is... That when we were in the movie, I was like, "Oh no!" Yeah, it's it's pretty bad because that is like as bad as it gets. I don't know how someone could have thought to do that. You know? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm just looking something up, but yeah, I. It's not great. Yeah, it is. It is like as that's pr- maybe the cringiest moment in Star Wars, and this is the same serious series where Darth Sidious like gets a butt face. I mean, we have... No, that's worse. That's a worse scene. <laughs> they have to tell us how Solo, Han Solo got his last name when someone's last name is Skywalker, <laughs> and we don't get that explanation. Hmm. Skywalker. No, we, they need Solo. <laughs> so he joins the army, and it's three years later, and he, they're on some planet. And it's mud planet. Some mud planet, and they're at war, I guess. Yeah. So assumingly, he's, for three years, working for the bad guys. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of like, I don't really know. I just, I'm going to become a pilot through this and I will come back to Corellia and get Kira. That's, yeah. that's the plan. And three years later, that's still, t- I guess, the plan. There's a, there's a deleted scene where he like crashes a, a plane or a, a ship and then he's put in front of people and they are like, you can't be a pilot. And then there's kind of a good joke. It's so cheesy, but it's kind of good where he's like, they're like, you have to go to infantry and all this stuff. And then he goes, well, when do you think I could try and be a pilot again? And they go, oh, we'll have you flying in no time. And then it cuts to that shot where he's flying into the air because a bomb goes off. That's in the movie. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's good. I like that. That's pretty funny. But so at this part of the movie, he is told by a lot of people, like people in p- positions of authority, that he's not a good listener. Uh-huh. Basically. Um, which just reminds me of the Poe stuff from the last movie. The what? Poe stuff. Oh, Poe. the last movie, which was, they were telling him the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. But he is kind of the Han Solo character. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's when we meet Tobias Beckett, played by Woody Harrelson. Wait, do I need to cover him? Uh, you do, actually. I forgot. Well, you could just list off some stuff off your head. I mean... He's in True Detective. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um... Um, the bowling movie with Bill Murray. Kingpin. Kingpin. Natural Born Killers. Yes. Zombieland. It's Woody Harrelson. So, a palm rewatch. Yeah. And this movie's going. Oh, yes. I, I thought, wanted to hear this. I thought, like, I, I just don't buy that Woody Harrelson would be in this world. And then we watched the rest of the movie, and I'm like, no, that is good casting. Yeah. Because this is a Western. Yep. Woody Harrelson's great casting. He's got a, a dumb name as well 
It's just Tobias. Tobias Beckett, which is just a person's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know where they dropped the ball. At some on point that. in the movie, he's like, he goes up to a bar and he says, "I hear you guys have good brandy." There, there's a, there's like <laughs> tiny little every once in a while in Star Wars, tiny little things that are nitpicky. Where it's like, so I guess this galaxy has brandy. <laughs> right, right. Okay, and it, it's just like I don't know. Just make up anything else, and we know what he means. Because this already right. feels like a Western. It's like, we have this weird blue milk, but they also have brandy. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. But yeah, so I, I changed my tune by the end of the movie. I you think did? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I really like him in this movie. Yeah, he's I really think he's good. really good. So what I think, though, I think Han wants to be him. And yes. thinks, I think Han thinks that he is him, but he's not. Because it's proven time and time again that Beckett is a real-life scumbag double crosser bad person that han says he is uh-huh. but never is in this movie okay yes by the end of the movie he does shoot woody harrelson and kills him like he does the unexpected yeah but it, it's like that's the only like indication of a badness to him that i don't even really think falls in that category okay i i see your point and i concede cool we can be done with this episode <laughs> so he wants to join woody harrelson's crew also yeah. john favreau plays a really cool monkey alien that yeah. i don't remember dying so quickly i know i was so bummed that he does yeah so like this next part of the movie is way quicker than i remember yeah i remember the train scene being kind of long yeah not ah, it's and it's good dare yeah. i say uh but before that he meets chewbacca yeah uh, he gets thrown in this pit. Um, I, 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 this isn't it, Picky. I just don't like that he speaks Wookie. Yeah, I don't care for that either. It, it feels, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't. It just doesn't feel right. I don't necessarily have a good reason why, because he does understand Wookie. So why couldn't he speak it theoretically? But it just doesn't work for me. Well, he never speaks it in any other movie. Yeah. So I, I didn't like that. I don't care for it either. But but their meeting is. It's, it's interesting that. Chewie's like a savage. Like yeah. I, others thought he was a savage, so he has to be the monster in the pit that kills people. Yeah, and he's forced to do it. And it's great that like upon their meeting, they're the first thing they do together is come up with a scheme. Yeah, which is just their thing. Yeah, and they get out of the pit, and they're they're linked together physically, but also metaphorically forever. Oh, and then they're on a ship and he goes see this is what was so weird about this scene this is like the yeah. second worst scene is is he's like what's your name and he goes and then he says well, chewbacca right mm, that's too long for me how about chewy and it's like well i think he says i'm gonna have to think of something else i'm not gonna yeah. call you that he doesn't <laughs> actually say chewy but it's also... He does say Chewy. Oh, he does? I think he does. Oh, because so it's even Because for one, worse. it's like, Chewbacca, not hard to say, not a long name. And <laughs> it's like, you live in a galaxy where people have the dumbest names. Yeah. I know Tobias Beckett is like... Tobias a, is the same amount of syllables as Chewbacca. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, I know that, you know, he's cool and he's not going to do anything that's lame or anything, but like, he would call Maz Kanata Maz Kanata. Yeah. And that's it, dumb. Well, it, and it's just weird because unless your name has a specific meaning, like if your name was Martin and people called you Marty, I would not need you to explain like, how do you get that nickname Marty? No. Nope. If your nickname was like, 
uh, yellow hair and you had red hair, I'd be like, how come your nickname is yellow hair? That's something I need to learn. Yeah. But Marty? No. Or Chewy from Chewbacca? Yeah. Don't eat it. Also, it was, uh, it just felt like there's even a slightly less ver- worse version of it. It's still bad, but where he goes, and then he goes, ah, Chewy. Yeah. And doesn't doesn't make a show out of it. Oh, brother. I hate that part. <laughs> pretty bad. And it's always like, like if you're watching uh, like someone you know perform music or anything, and you're just like hoping that they don't mess up the whole time. <laughs> and so every time I watch the movie, it's like, are they really going to? They really do it every time they hit that flat note. Yeah. Um, but they are, they're stealing cargo from a train. Yeah. Coaxium again. Yeah. They're obsessed with that coaxium. They're obsessed. And that's a pretty fun action sequence. And while they're doing it, these uh, people in masks infiltrate yeah. and thwart their plan. Uh, two of the members died, John Favreau and... Uh, Tawani, I'm not saying it pre- pre- correctly, die. Um, when what type of genre of movies have train robberies in them? Westerns. Here we go again. It's a Western. I remember being in the theater and being like, oh, smart. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. I don't know if I thought about that until this time. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah, no. I Wait, why did you, you say it was dumb just now? But I feel dumb. For- oh, yeah. <laughs> So they make it out, although people die. Yeah. And they're safe. They have to go to Paul Bettany. I forget his name and his people. Yeah. Yeah. I just wrote Paul Bettany. <laughs> he, he was stealing. Dryden or something. Dreyfus. Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus. Jarvis. <laughs> right? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Um, But the, he, the whole Definitely. reason they had to steal stuff on the train was for Paul Bettany. So they have to go to him and say, like, we screwed up. Yeah. But also beg for our lives. There's no... Han's like, we can just run from him. And Tobias Beckett's like, no, that's not possible. He will just send bounty hunters after you. Yeah. So they go to him. This is when Han meets Kira again after three years, which is crazy surprising for him. Um, But she's being very much like, oh, hello. mm -hmm. And there's no spark of charm or love between them. Yeah. And she's basically like a slave here. Yeah. Um. Whatever whatever she did that Paul Bettany had to save her from, it's like she's an indentured servant to him. Not an indentured servant, a servant to him forever. Yeah. Um, she even got a tattoo to prove it. Mm-hmm, the Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they, she takes them to him. Oh, but we forgot one other thing about yeah. this movie uh, uh, that, that corrects any wrongdoing is they go into this barge. First of all, it's a it's flying a yacht. barge. It's a yacht. yacht. And that's cool. And then they go up this elevator, and there's someone. There's this girl singing, and she's singing this song. And then she's duetting with this like frog fish-like creature in in what looks like one of the head containers from Futurama, uh-huh. and it starts singing with her. Uh-huh. And it, I'm pretty sure it's practical. It, it looks, looks so practical. Yeah, it looks good. And I'm like, that's why we go to the movies, baby. Mm-hmm. I want to see a frog thing go. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's good. I mean, that's why we like. Uh, Harry Potter three, four, wait, where they where the the choir has the frogs. Oh yeah, I don't remember, but yeah, I mean that's worth the price. You of go to Universal alone. and they do it. Really? Mm-hmm. I think you've told me that. Pretty How cool. do they do it though? What do you mean? I think they're just holding animatronics. They, but they're animatronics. Yeah, they're real. Holy cow! <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, it looks so cool. And so it's and are there is it P 
people that are doing it or like statues that have I'm imagining them? they are carrying something like the thing that will sing. Like it sings <laughs> with them. Like if you like you could work at Universal and you would be one of those people, maybe. That that come out and like yes, perform yes. holding it. I will say Are you serious? I've only been there one time and it was <laughs> it was so wonderful. And you could just tell that everyone working there was excited to be a part of it. Yeah. And that was great. And that's kind of like you, you don't always even get that from Disneyland. And you usually yeah. get people that are very chipper at Disneyland, even yeah. though it's not a very fun job. Yeah. But I will say at Harry Potter at Universal in California, people were happy to be there Whoa. and working. I remember one time when you and I were at Disneyland, we went to the Alice in Wonderland ride because I'd never done it. And I just remember the person was very much like, next. Yeah. Next. And then we went on Soren, California. And there were the the people that were working there. Remember, they were playing tag. Oh yeah. And and I remember Hannah was with us, and she was like, "Oh man, they're not allowed to do that." Because you know she would go yeah. all the time, and she was like, "Oh, they'd probably get fired if they found out that's, that they did that." That's strange. But I I remember not thinking about the Disneyland of it all, and I was like, "Oh, I'm glad they're having fun." But but they like strapped somebody in, and then one person like tagged the other, and then they ran to the exit. Yeah, that's not great. <laughs> We had uh, to tell the the listener the first time I ever went on Soarin' Over California. I guess this sounds a little sadistic, but my dad and I were just laughing so hard. There was this. It was like a large man, um, not not like huge, huge, but like he was. He, you'd see him and you'd be like, "That's a big guy," and he sits down in Soarin' Over California and he gets strapped in, and then they like you know the they do all the instructions or whatever. And then it's it's starting to pull up, and he just starts going, "Hey, hey, um, stop! Can you stop it? Can you turn it off? Can you turn it off?" And they're like, "No, it's already going." And then he he was so scared, and he was just like, "Come on, like I'm scared." (laughs) Was he like screaming the whole time? I can't remember if he was, but but I think I think any time you know it like change positions or something, you'd you'd hear from the other side of the room like a oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have such a cute memory from uh, <laughs> the first time I went on Tower of Terror when it was Tower of Terror. I was mm-hmm. so excited to go because I love Twilight Zone. Yeah, and the just being in line is fun. For yeah, they they they're getting they've gotten better at that to make it less boring, but um. We we still got to figure it out for Peter Pan. You're in line forever in oh, that one. Well, anytime. Fantasyland they haven't really done anything yeah. for it. But um, we get to like we will be the next people to go on the elevator part, uh-huh. and uh-huh. I am starting to cry, and I'm not that young. Yeah. Um, and I'm like get really freaking out, starting to cry. Like I don't think I can do this, and I'm so bummed because I really wanted to do this. And this little well, this kid who wasn't much younger than me was just like it's not that it's really fun it's not that bad you can do it you can really do it that's and so it gave sweet. me the courage to go that's on so the ride. sweet and it was it's one of my favorite rides i've had twice in my life where i got to the the precipice and i walked away like a coward oh i've done that for um california screaming my parents would yeah. bribe us with like we'll get you guys a build-a-bear if you Ooh, do that's it. a sweet deal yeah but yeah did, there were years where did you get a build-a-bear ever i probably got one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but um i think there were there was at least maybe two visits uh two summers where only ronica would go on the ride with my parents or like with yeah. my dad or something but i was too scared of my preston i think at the time was too young still yeah, yeah. so um definitely that's but see- also like 
I grew up going to Disneyland. I didn't really, and not, I went to Knott's Berry farm, but I've never grew up going to six flags. And yeah. that's where the crazy stuff is. Right. California screaming is nothing. Yeah. So the first time I went to six flags was with you and Taylor Brown. Yeah. That, no, was that the wasn't s- the first time I went to a six flags, but that one had X two and it was crazy. Oh yeah. X two is so fun. I don't oh, know man. if I could do that again though. I do feel like because the last time you and I were at Disneyland, we went we went on the uh, Guardians Breakout, which is the old uh, Tower of Terror, and it was the most fun ride there for sure. Yeah, but my I had a headache for like an hour. Yeah, that's right, you did. I love the feeling of, you get in your stomach. Yeah, and then we did it again that night, and and it was the last ride we did. It was the first ride and the last ride yeah. we did, and when we like, I think it took till we walked to our car wherever the heck it was parked. That until I was like, okay, I feel okay again, and I was I was getting nauseated and yeah. stuff like that. So, do you remember why? Well, if you have this memory, as a kid, one of my f- top favorite rides was the Goofy flying one and California Adventure. Oh, I never liked that. And I loved it. I think the jerking was like it just was fun to me. But when as an adult, that is the worst ride to go on. I, I'm surprised I never it's liked still it. a ride because I don't think anybody likes it. It hurts. It hurts. It does. And you know, I always think you're going to get decapitated. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. The The worst ride experience for me of actually making it and doing the ride was there's a ride in, at Six Flags called Goliath. And it's a wooden roller coaster and there is no like chest strap in. Does it go upside down? Uh, No. But uh, yeah, it's just a knee thing. And it is like a 60 foot drop or something like oh, that. Oh, geez. And and I my whole body went numb when I when I got out like I I had trouble like walking and moving around because my like I couldn't feel any part of my body Ew. and and it was pretty immediately I was like and it was the first ride we did when we got there uh-huh. and I was just kind of like this is gonna be the worst day of my life <laughs> and we were with and and he's he's like making fun of me because and I'm not just saying this to be a macho man because we all know I ain't no macho man but. I had tears streaming down my face, but it was simply because of the force of yeah, yeah, wind yeah. and how yeah. my body went numb. And he was just like, you cried, you cried. And, you know, I'm like a senior in high school. Oh, that's dumb. And I was like, no, I I was just trying to tell him the truth of like, I, I literally did not cry in the way you are trying to present mm-hmm. that I'm cry- mm-hmm. I cried in. Um, yeah, he made fun of people a lot. We could talk about that off mic another huh. time. <laughs> um, because you're right. Um but remember when we went on the Batman ride, you, me, and Taylor, and we all three got off, and we all were like, did you almost pass out that yeah. one part? And all of us almost passed out. I That's the the one and only time I came close to blacking out in yeah. my life. Yeah. And it I did not like it. Did, did you ever do the hang gliding one? No. Man, that ride is so fun. But what's scary about it is you're in a hang gliding position, and it's one of those roller coasters where... um. The the straps don't go over your head. Oh, they go over your shoulders like a backpack. Uh huh. And so there is nothing in your chest, so it feels like like there's nothing protecting you. Yeah, like if something went wrong, it would just open out. Oh, yeah. Whereas it 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 feel I I don't know. It just felt like I don't know. It was it was scary, but the ride itself was awesome. But I was like, I can't do it again because it's it's the whole what if of it. Yeah, I remember though the Riddler ride. I think was my favorite. And I it did was I just, do that one? I think so. It was where you're standing, and it was just so strange. It was like the weirdest ride I'd been on. I don't remember. And it was doing really that. fun. 
for my memory. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Solo again? <laughs> <laughs> no. Because <laughs> we haven't been to Star Wars area in Disneyland yet. I know. For a couple of chumps. And Olivia, a uh, guest and fan of the podcast, she said, anyone needs to go and you guys really should. I know. I, and I think she was saying that in the context of we're covering Star Wars. I know. But Disneyland, pay us to go or just make it free. Yes. You know what? Disneyland, if you're listening and we know you are, well, you're probably being projected on the speakers in Google Star Wars Land. Disney Land, Disney, Walt Disney, Star Wars Land, Stormtrooper. And all those are all the Google alerts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go back to the oh, movie. Oh, I cut you off though. I, I, whatever I was saying was not going to be as funny as what you said. So uh, we're going to keep going. So now they're in this position. They have Wait, to steal. Just imagine <laughs> Disney has just Google alerts set <laughs> to uh, every property that they own. They're just getting like a million hits a second. Yeah, that's funny. Okay, we get. Oh, what's this? I'm getting a call from Mr. Disneyland. Hello. <laughs> um, Who's head of Disney right now? Uh, I don't remember. It's not with- Bob Iger anymore, though, because he retired like two or three years ago, yeah. I think. Um, Chapek? Is it Bob Chapek? Is that his name? Come on. Bob. Yep. Good job. Cool. He is the owner of the free world. <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. So they they meet with Paul Bettany. He's got these cool scars that like turn brighter when he's angry and turn lighter when he's not. Um and I like him in this movie. He is fine. I think he's good. I, um, I think he's not. He clearly wasn't memorable because I could not remember him for the life of me. And I've seen this movie multiple times. Yeah. I think he just, I think he serves his role fine. No, yeah. And he's, I'm not saying that he's bad. Yeah. I, I think he's really good. But I did, when I did see that Michael K. Williams was supposed to be the bad guy, I'm like, oh, he would have done better. Yeah. It would have been more interesting a yeah. little bit. But Paul, no shade. Um, and so, you know, they didn't get the train stuff cause they had to drop the cargo cause those people attack, the marauders attacked them. And so they have to find something else. Han improvises a crazy plan that they all kind of improvise, but present it as if they talked about it already to go to Kessel, get all this coaxium and come back. Which is like the planet where they harvest it from. Sure. Yeah, something like okay. that. Um, and what's tough about the situation is, um, if you like, if it's if it's not uh, refined fast enough, then if it, it reaches a certain temperature, it'll explode. That's what it is. And so right there, it's like okay, we got a ticking time bomb. Now, mm-hmm. now we got some sweet tension. Let's go. Mm-hmm. But they need a ship, mm-hmm. so they go and they meet Lando Calrissian, played by Donald Glover. What do you think of him? I don't know. I think I'm into it. I like it. I don't, I, I, well, th- okay. So it's kind of hard. Cause does he have to be in this movie just because he owns a millennium Falcon? No, but it is more fun. I would say. You think it's more fun. I, I could just easily see if they just wanted to give us a new character that we've never met, which I get at this point we have Woody Harrelson. We have met a lot of new characters. That's true. But I just am kind of like, if they just if they wanted to do someone I didn't know who they were, I think I would have been just as happy. Yeah. Than giving us a character we've seen. Yeah. Acting wise, I think he's fine. Yeah. I, I, I love think his outfits. 
It's it's funny because he's he's always been someone he's always been cited as one of the things that really works about this movie, Donald Glover. Okay. Um and I don't know what it is, but but every time I always have to like acclimate myself to his performance. I, I'm never like, oh wow. Well he's he really to because of recently having watched the other movies, he's not as um like dramatic as What's that guy's name? Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams. I feel like Billy D. Williams is like real. It's a production. Yeah, maybe more, that's more than it. you think. And he's just he's a lot quieter, which isn't bad. Well, and I I think the the voice he's doing is good, but I I guess it just there's something about it that just doesn't click for me. But I love Donald Glover, and I don't want to dislike anything he does. And everyone else says it's a great performance, so maybe it's just a me thing. Yeah, where it just doesn't compute in my head i care way more about the robot oh the l3 is awesome yeah so we're also introduced to l3 who is this kind of it's like a feminist not even feminist it's just, just like for a, all robots yeah uh like equal rights robot yeah kind of thing um and i i mean it's i like how they programmed her to walk and stuff like she has like a like a hip walk uh-huh um i love when yeah she is like because there's like robot fighting what is that old show oh on tv oh yeah robot wars i think it was robot wars wait did you ever watch that yeah i totally watched that but that's kind of going on and she's like fighting for the rights of the robots and ron howard's brother is like he's never had it this good <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You have no idea and it's just really funny um and then there's like a weird sexual tension though between her and Donald. Yeah, Glover. which is good. I yeah, I funny. think that's really funny. And like the moment where she is talking to Kira and she says, "Yeah, you've probably noticed that Lando's in love with me, but it's just not working or something like that." And then Kira goes, "How would that even work?" And she just leans back and goes, "Oh, it works." <laughs> <laughs> and that all of that stuff feels like it feels like an actor improvising on set. Like a lot of her dialogue and stuff, it's really funny. Yeah, she delivers it great. It's fun. Also, uh, just a side note with Phoebe, it's just very funny because her um, IMDb profile picture looks nothing like her. So every time She's I... She's a robot in this movie. What? Mm-hmm. No. No, but like when I look at a picture of her in Fleabag and her IMDb sure. yeah, profile, it's like... These are different people, right? So I think I've been... She disappears into the role. Yeah. I, I think that's another reason why I've been so confused at who is this person. Yeah. Because I, like, didn't recognize that I see her every time they do that stupid silence your cell phones Amazon trailer. Yeah, I'm tired of that. Yeah. Um, So, robot fight. Ron Howard's brother's in the movie, of course. Uh, Yeah. So Han plays Lando and poker. Sabak, duh. And is trying to get a ship from him. Yeah. He's trying to like manipulate him into betting a ship, which he does, but he loses to him. Yeah. But they give him, they're going to cut him in on the deal if he flies them. Uh huh. And so, and then now he's escorting them and they're headed there. They head to the. So, what do you think of a very nice, clean Millennium Falcon? That's interesting. Uh, as we were watching it, I was just like, man, it looks so weird. Mm-hmm. You know, why does it look so weird besides the obvious escape pod that's mm-hmm. in the front? Um, oh, do you notice that that was a thing? Yeah. That's not there usually? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where? In the front, in between the, like, two prongs. Uh-huh. It's filled in in this movie, and it's not in any others. Okay. 
did that not throw you for a loop when you were seeing it? I didn't notice. Because he even at the beginning is like, I added the escape pod up there. Yeah. And it's, yeah. But yeah, it, it looks kind of, and even this time I was like, it is weird. How does it look the way it looks? And it feels stupid because it's like, this is a fan service thing again too. But then when it gets all the, the stuff shucked off of it in the maelstrom, it's like, oh, now it looks like the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> That we know oh, and love. I, 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 that's, that kind of fan service I'm so fine with. I, no, I think like I do think it works. Done. I do think it works in this movie. Um, because it becomes a hunk of junk. Yeah. Like it, just it, on this one mission kind of. I, I think it wouldn't work if if like then they park it and then Lando's like, you turned my beautiful ship into a hunk of junk. Yeah. Then it would suck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it works. So they, they go there. Um, L3... Starts like a robot revolution, mm-hmm. which is so funny mm-hmm. because she she this is my purpose. I'm so glad we took this job. <laughs> yeah, she frees one of them and it's bleeping and blooping, and she goes, "I don't know, free others. I don't care." <laughs> and then when that happened, I just remember this click of like, "Oh, I love that they're doing this joke right now." And then this droid is going to the next droid, and it's breaking off. It's it's you know enslavering chip and then they're like smashing stuff it's so funny it's so funny so then there's anarchy yeah because everything that they're doing is affecting the the mine workers and they're like we're liberated too yeah and they start fighting um han gets the coaxium chewie is torn because he sees some we, we find out that chewie's people are like enslaved yeah um so on this planet he they must sees- have been having some rough life days recently Seriously, more like death days. Um, but that he sees some of his people, yeah, and is torn, and he goes to help them. But he does come back and helps Han. Yeah, I I do like so when they're like trying to escape, and that one Wookie is like, "Come on, come on! Like you're with us now. Come yeah. with us." I like their whole like embrace. Yeah, I think that was a nice touch. I yeah, no, I I like that as well. Um. Yeah, and I do. I do think one of the strong suits of this movie is uh, the creatures and droids are all really cool. Yeah, um, which is kind of like at least thirty percent of why Star Wars is good. Yeah. So they nail it in this movie. Yeah, um, and you pointed out because I I was like, man, that other Wookiee always looks kind of weird to me. Um, it looks a little more Planet of the Apes than it does a Wookiee. And you said I think it's because it's emaciated because it's not it's a slave and it's like starving and stuff. And then when I looked at it again, I was like, it's like much smaller than chewy. That's a, I mean, that's some fine attention to detail. Also though, the real reality of it is so that we can differentiate between the two. Well, yeah, but I also don't think that would be an issue because we've seen other Wookiees in episode three and he's got the signature belt around him. Yeah. So I do think they're, they were probably thinking something more along the lines of what you hypothesized. Okay. Give yourself some credit. They escape. Yeah. But they're they're on the run because the Imperial Army like shows up because chaos is happening. And the, the coaxium is like going it's starting to go haywire. Going cuckoo bananas. And it this is fun and this kind of goes against what I'm saying, but there's there's always been this kind of joke about Star Wars where it's like, you know, Han Solo says, I did the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs, or 14 or 13 or whatever. I think he says 12. And um, and people have pointed out, like, parsecs is a unit of, it's a length. It's not a unit of time. 
And so they've been like, I think George Lucas just didn't know what that was, is what people have said. Well, you know what's funny before you finish? Yeah. Uh, I took an astronomy class in college. I, oh, I had, fancy, no, fancy. I had Somebody's got a, a degree. Credit and um, reading the, the textbook first class, I learned that interstellar was a real word <laughs> and parsecs was a real thing. Yeah. I, and it like blew my mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how like not into science i am <laughs> yeah, yeah um but it's it you know it's been a thing and then this movie kind of shows like no it truly isn't a mess up it's it is a he did it in less than it's it's supposed to take 20 parsecs to get there yes and so i that is really fan servicey but that's more in the like rogue one vein where okay, it, where yeah. it's kind of like oh we we purposely put that hole in the death star so I like it. Yeah. Um, and there is a really funny joke where Woody Harrelson is using the cannons and they get knocked off. And then he goes, we lost the cannons. And I really hurt my thumbs. <laughs> that's funny. It is funny. And then we have what I, I'm, it's funny that I'm harping on all this fan service stuff. And then there's stuff that I really like. It says sometimes work though. Sp the new Spider-Man movie was like fan service to yeah. the, to That's the gills. True. And I cried And it was great. A lot. So there there's good uses and bad uses. You're right. You're right. Um and one of the good uses is, you know, every Star Wars movie, someone says, I have a bad feeling about this. Mm -hmm. And it can be different characters and whatever. And I think I don't remember who says it in New Hope, actually. But in this movie, he he's about to break into break off course and try and do go into the maelstrom. And he goes, I have a really good feeling about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a nice switcheroo. Um, and they make it out. They make it and out. And then the movie really slows down. They do. Well, th there is a beast that attacks them. That's oh, yeah, cool. The beast is awesome. And it gets sucked into a black hole and its skin comes off before it's like skull. Yeah, it's awesome. That's cool. They put the coaxium in the, like the fuselage or something. And the Millennium Falcon's about to go in and then it shoots out and they launch into Inter, uh, interstellar hyper light speed. light speed like right before it shuts mm -hmm. um and th and then we were like okay that's a great time to stop and last night we we're just like this movie kind of rocks like uh -huh. i i kind of like it and then this is where yeah it, it really takes a it, it's not bad it's no, really it's not, not bad, bad but like i said i think that we're now at the part of the movie where they have to make this align with mm -hmm. all of the other ones story-wise yeah so now, uh, before, so today, I, this is a kind of a side note that will be so outdated by the time this episode comes out, but I just want to tell you that I watched a, a little special that was on Disney Plus uh, about the making of Lightyear, because it's not out yet, and um, they were describing the plot thing again, like the whole... Like how it's a Star Wars or a Toy Story movie? Yeah, and how it works, and it actually made me more confused on <gasps> what it they could say? be. Well, they, they said... That we, you know, I, you know, these different creators are going, I, you know, I wonder what, what, what Buzz was, you know, based on in that universe. And someone said based off, which I know is a no-no, um, yep. based on in the, in this, in this world. And, and what we made is the movie that Andy would have seen and that, that the toy's based on. So that's not real. This is, so, we're so, watching a movie that is a movie within Toy Story. That is what one of the people said, but I, I almost felt like they had one more sentence or something, because I was like, wait, that doesn't quite... 
makes sense to your earlier statement where it's it's a toy based on a real person in that fake universe. But that one makes more sense. Like there was a hit movie called Lightyear that came out, and then this toy came out. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense than what we're presented. But I don't know. I like that universe needs this movie, and we don't though, because we already have the toy. Uh, <laughs> it's and and there is a part of me that's like maybe you just shouldn't overthink it, you know, and just enjoy the movie. But I don't know. So go back. You know what kind of like well, three months no, and I'm listen to our anything. Buzz Lightyear episode. Yeah. What, yeah. Wait, can you tell me? No, I no, just, come on. It just goes back to the colors because all of the the trailers that I've seen for it, it just looks very muted and gray with a tiny pop here or there. Uh-huh. Which for Pixar movies are usually like so colorful. Mm-hmm. So I know it's a choice, but it's also like I. I'm only seeing a trailer, though. I've not seen the movie. Yeah. I'm sure they have stuff. But one thing I thought of just now was like, how come he's not wearing the suit? He is at one point. With all, Is it green green, though? And purple? I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think they all have them, actually, in that, that like light ear command. I don't remember that. I remember the much. girl. I remember them wearing different types of suits. Yeah, I remember the girl wearing one. Okay. But they were explaining the plot, and I turned it off, and I was like, the plot of this movie, as far as sci-fi goes, really cool. Okay. So I think, it, I think again, it's going to be a bad Toy Story movie, but a good sci-fi movie. Okay. But this is like the Dumbledore thing where people are hearing our thoughts on Dumbledore months after the movie came out. So go back yeah. and listen to our Lightyear episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so... They go to Savina. Yes. The planet where they are to deliver the coaxium. Yes. And they're like, we did it. Yay. Uh, we're going to get paid. And Han's still trying to convince Kira, like, just come with me, but she just can't. Yeah. And, um, but the, those marauders show back up and they're like, we're taking your stuff, but yeah. it's not, now it's not by force. It's you guys are on the, you guys we're actually working kind of on the same, like we have the same ideals. Yeah. Maybe we can work together. And that's where we get Aaron Kellyman, who was like the spokesperson for this group. I like their design. Their um, yeah, yeah. costumes cool. are really cool. We got Warwick. Yeah, he. I remember when we saw it in theaters, Warwick Davis takes off his helmet and someone started clapping. Yeah. So people love Deserved. the Warwick. And they should be. Yeah. He, he should be loved. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just thought of the Maroon oh. 5 song when you said that. <laughs> and he should be loved. <laughs> uh, I did find out too, Ron Howard had this quote where he was talking about it recently. And he did say that because of this movie, it it did birth the Willow TV series, because really? he was working with the Kasdans, and they, I, one of them or both of them, I, no, I think oh, just wait, the Willow's son. Oh, Ron Howard movie. A Ron Howard that's, movie. That's a really good Ron Howard movie. That movie's fun. Well, I think the movie's kind of bad, but in all the fun ways. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I I do like the movie a lot. It's uh-huh. fun. Uh, but yeah, so. The series, I think, with them working on set, they were they started talking about Willow and stuff like that. Oh, cool! And That's so Jonathan cool. Kasdan wrote Willow, oh, or cool. some of it. The movie or the show? The show. Okay. The show, because he's the oh, son. That would, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, so he kind of said like, "It's a good thing we did that because now we're gonna do this Willow show." Which the trailer came out and it looks crazy cool. What I've heard. Yeah, you didn't watch it. I don't watch trailers. You oh, know but that. for TV shows, it's different because you don't see them in theaters. I just don't care. Oh, okay. I, I'm like not in the habit of watching trailers. It looks like They're there's going to be a lot of puppets, it. like a yeah. lot of puppets. Cool. And Warwick Davis is is in it. You know, he's yeah. the star. So I think it's going to be good. 
Yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so we meet the Marauders and they... So, yeah, they, she tells them the story about the, these people who were basically enslaved and then one day rose up and were like, we're not going to, we're not going to take this anymore. And uh, they cut all of their tongues out and we're like, well, d- who cares? We're still in charge. And yeah. I think it's these people on this planet mm-hmm. um, that she's talking about. And she draw this lady draws the symbol of who these people were. And it's the Paul Bettany crew. Yeah. Um, and so basically she's like, help us defeat them because you don't want to be working for them either. Yeah. So then uh, Woody Harrelson's like, I just can't. This yeah. is, this is becoming too much, man. I'm out. And then uh, Han's like, okay, we'll come up with a plan anyway and we'll do it. Yeah. So they go and meet Paul Bettany. And it is fun. I do think that the, the double crossing could be done in a much more uh, intriguing way. It's it's a little like I double crossed you. I double crossed you. That's it. It's not like like whenever there's a switcheroo like this, I want it to feel like the ending of Ocean Eleven, Ocean's Eleven, where you're like they really failed, and then Brad Pitt pulls back his mask and he's the SWAT team, and you're like, no way, they pull off that. How did they do that? Yeah. And then it's like, let's show them how we did it. And this movie's a little more like, yeah, I'm back. I told you not to trust people. And then he says. I know I'd never trusted you. You were supposed to come double cross. And that part I do like. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean though. Yeah. I think it could be much more dramatic. I think is what I'm saying. The thing about this part of the movie too, is we spend a lot of time in the set from, for this part of the movie, not a bad set, but also just kind of boring. It's very static to me. Yeah. Um, there is some action in the scene that is cool and it's not that long, thankfully. Yeah. But I think it's just like, we've already seen this area. I, I don't know. For me, it's just like, I, I started losing interest like 10 minutes ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's only losing more interest as time goes on, if that makes sense. Yeah. But again, it's not... I wouldn't go so far as to say it's bad. I think it's no. good. Yeah, yeah. It could be better. But Woody Harrelson goes away with Chewy with the coaxium. Yeah. And then Kira and Han start fighting Paul Bettany, and she kills him, uh, Paul Bettany. Yeah. And she's like, we did it. We're... We're free now. You go and I'll follow you. I'll be right behind you. I have to f- unfinished business. And he is so like hopeful still. Uh-huh. And he goes and she does not. She, obviously she has bigger plans, which is the whole like, because nothing's going to come from this. It's just kind of like ugh, waste of time. You mean as in sequels? sequels and, yeah. And stuff. Yeah. But we get Darth Maul, I guess. Yeah, so tell me about your thoughts and experience with this. I just don't get it because he was cut in half. Uh-huh. So how is he back? Well, I will tell you that queuing right now, if we listen carefully, uh, we can hear Star Wars fans screaming at you right now. Oh, wait, is he like a race of alien that can like regenerate, like his body can reattach itself and he never really dies? No, Jordan, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Is it not Darth Maul? Of course, Darth Maul fell from that balcony after he got cut in half, and he was injured but didn't die. Give me a break. And struggled to regain his strength and was given spider legs for a little while. Mechanical spider legs. Oh, I remember you telling me that. And then he goes back to his home planet, and the witches on that planet of Dathomir uh, 
help heal him and bring him back. And then he becomes, instead of a Sith, he becomes a crime man. Don't care. I don't care. I care so little. I don't even care at all. Now, here's what I will say. That is a run in the Clone Wars TV show. That's right. And I think it's like four or five episodes long. And I watched it. Um, I think after watching this movie. Maybe before, though. Uh, I don't know. But um, as much as I fundamentally disagree with the fact that Darth Maul should be alive, because I don't think it makes any sense, and it falls into that pattern of Star Wars fans who are like, that thing looks cool, therefore it shouldn't die. Uh I will say those episodes are excellent. Uh, <laughs> Most excellent. And well, maybe excellence a strong word. They're really good, and it's a, it's a, they're. It, it was like, whoa, this is really cool. But it's to me, it's like, don't bring that into the movies, though. No. You know, let the movies kind of be their own thing without stuff that's too strange like that. Um, but having said that, a year later after Han Solo comes out, we're gonna see how they, you know, Darth Plague, uh, uh, the Emperor is still alive and right. stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of funny, and I, I, and I think that most people collectively were like, huh? When that happened, not, whoa! And me, I, I think I even knew that he lived, and I was like, why did they do this? Is it Peter Serafinowicz? So, Peter Serafinowicz did do The Voice, but then they threw out all of his stuff and they had the guy who voices him in the Clone Wars do Dude, it. Dude, it happened to him? What he did to the other guy? Yeah, I guess so. Whoa, how does it feel, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't really do it in a way. Well, that's just the funny thing because yeah. it, it's as if uh, in the Rogue One when Darth Vader uh-huh. <laughs> comes into screen, <laughs> it's not James Earl Jones, it's some, Jones, yeah, it's yeah. some other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's still Ray Park or Ray Parker. I think it's still the the, the physical yeah. um, Darth Maul. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's weird. And if you cut that scene, I think the whole ending I would like more. Yeah, because I think I, I like that her character like chooses this life when she is now actually given an opportunity to leave. Yeah, but she's like, no, no, I'm gonna run things. This is what this is what the life I'm making for myself. Yeah. I've, I'm so fine with that. Yeah. So, like, her, those choices aren't something I have an issue with. Yeah. It's just, and, and it does feel very, which I've liked in other movies, but it does feel very like, hey, Thanos is coming. And, yeah. And, uh, it's but it's just, not a post credit scene. Right. Well, yeah. They usually leave those out of the main movie. Um, but yeah, and then and then Han Solo gives the coaxium to the Marauders, and they say something to the effect of, "You've given us more than just coaxium. You've given us the seeds to a rebellion." And I think I'm getting nitpicky a little bit, but I don't like the idea that Han Solo is the reason that the rebellion exists. I get that, but this also doesn't bother me. Yeah, it's just a little like. Come on. Come on, guys. Really? Yeah. Is how it feels to yeah, me. Yeah, that, that's fine. I get that. It, it's just like, he, let him have his part in the rebellion be the part we saw. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Stuff like that just drives me nuts about stories that have so much extra material and whatnot. Yeah, I know. But having said all that, though, I think it's an easy seven out of 10, and it's, it's really a pretty fun. It's a pretty dang good movie. 
And I, and I do think it's easily like way better than episodes one, two, and three. Um, mm-hmm. And then verdict's out for me because I haven't watched Rise of Skywalker since it came out. So I might put it above Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. We will find out. Okay. But uh, thanks for listening. Do you yeah, have anything you. left? Sorry. Yep. Okay. Well, next week uh, we're doing Rise of Skywalker and then we are we're done with Star Wars. finishing this forever <laughs> so i will see you next week love you i ya. will too okay. love you too bye